if you will, turn with me to Mark, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I was about to throw you for a loop there, wasn't I? Just opened up my Bible, and there it says Mark, so it just kind of caught me off guard. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we are concluding our series looking at the missional disciple. We have walked through this great commission that God, that Jesus Christ has given us. He has called out to the disciples and called them to go. He's called us to go. He's called, he called them and he calls us to make disciples. That was week two. He called them and he calls us to go, therefore, and to make disciples of all the nations and then to baptize and to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then today he gives us this confident reassurance that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So today, I've entitled it, The Missional Disciple Will Go in Christ's Presence. And there is nothing more reassuring than being able to go and do all the things that God has called every disciple to do with Him walking by our side. We could confidently go anywhere. The Bible even tells us that you know, when we've been saved by the grace of God, we can come boldly before the throne. If we can come boldly before the creator of all things, there is not a person on this earth to whom you should not be able to go confidently before and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God can allow us in, our, in the state that we were once in to be able to come before him because now we're not in that state, we're in the righteousness of Christ, but we could come before God confidently. There is no one on this earth that walks this earth today that we should not be able to go confidently before and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can walk confidently in that. You know, Matthew, when he writes this gospel, a true Israelite would proclaim only God to be eternal and omnipresent. So here, Matthew records a concluding claim by Jesus about his deity. Thus, Jesus concludes the commission with the crucial element of discipleship. The presence of the Master. The presence of the Master. And both those who obey and those who respond are comforted by the awareness that the risen Jesus will continue to fashion all his disciples. Jesus will walk with us. The presence of the Master is the crucial final element of discipleship. It's a wonderful thing to know. The presence of the Master tells us this. Jesus is present as His disciples go throughout the nations with the gospel of the kingdom of God, inviting all to become disciples. Jesus is present as as new disciples are baptized and taught to obey all that Jesus taught. Jesus is present as maturing disciples go through all the stages of their lives. Jesus is present as the church sojourns through this age awaiting His return. And Jesus is always present for His disciples to follow as their master. The concluding crucial element of discipleship is the presence of the master. Something I can go, I don't have to fear, I don't have to go in fear, I don't have to go in uncertainty, I don't have to go 
in, in weariness. I don't have to go in strife. I can go in confidence because I go in the presence of the Master. And when we look at this text today, the first little bitty short thing that so many times we will walk right past is a little phrase that I believe Jesus calls for the attention of the disciple. This little bitty phrase that says, and lo. And lo. It doesn't mean that Jesus is walking real low. It's <laughs> a joke I've always heard. But anyway, it's not that Jesus, Jesus, this is his call to attention. Jesus calls for the attention of the disciple. He says, and lo, I am with you always. It's not because he's up here and we're down here. It's another way. Different translations say it like this. The New American Standard Bible and the New King James, as I just read, uses the word low. The New Living Translation says, and be sure of this. The English Standard Version, the ESV, says, behold. The New International Version says, and surely. But the one that I'm going to kind of grab hold right here is, where it says, and remember. And remember. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Remember that. There's a lot of things we'll forget in our life. But we need to remember the presence of the Master goes with us. And He calls attention. And lo, I am with you. Pay attention. And remember, as parents, we do this very often with our kids. Remember, pay attention, and be sure of this. And as a good father, he tells us, and lo, behold, I am with you always. And remember, I am with you always. It's a great thing to remember. You know, we think about the, the, the memories of those that have been with us on this earth. Things that, that those in generations past have told us to recall, to hold to. And Jesus tells us one of the greatest things to hold to, to remember, I am with you always. As disciples, we need to heed the voice of the Lord and let it not just slip right past us. That's the reason why he calls us to attention. And we need to behold and pay attention because his words are life. His words are life. And today as we come in just a little while to the table in remembrance of Christ, His words and, and demonstrated life is what we recall and do this. We take communion at the Lord's table in remembrance of Him. We recall in 1 Corinthians 11, 24-25, Jesus is recorded as saying with, with bread in His hand, And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup. After saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He wants us to remember him. Remember he is with us always. We partake of the Lord's Supper to note that he gave his life. He shed his blood. He was broken on the cross. But he said, I must do these things. The, God has, the Father has called me to die in your place. I am the eternal sacrifice that will completely atone. For everything that, that has been done wrong. All the sin, past, present, and future. 
My death on the cross atones for it all. Remember that. And as oft as you eat of the, eat of the bread, as oft as you drink of the cup, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And if you were to flip up that little white sheet there that's on the communion table, the Lord's Supper table, it says that right in the front. In remembrance of me. We remember Him. And we remember Him as we go through life because there's no way we're going to make it through life apart from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The difficulties, the hardships, and lo, pay attention, remember, and be sure of this. I am with you always for those that are disciples. There are people out there in the world who's never come to faith in Jesus Christ and they say they've got God. No, they don't. You come to faith in Jesus Christ. You come to faith by hearing the word. You come to faith by responding to the word. You come to faith and you live by faith by living the word. That's how you come to faith, is by hearing the Word of God. And we remember that He is with us. We do this in remembrance of Him. We pay close attention to the Lord and His actions. Through the partaking of the Lord's Supper, we are paying close attention to His words. We are honoring His life and His death in preparation in His glorious Return. He says, do this, as oft as you, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me until I come. You know, Jesus said, I will not partake of this cup again until I'm, I'm in heaven. He wasn't going to take of it again. Listen, I'm looking forward to the day that he will return. And by observing the Lord's Supper, we are uniting in the presence of the Lord in obedience. By partaking, by observing the Lord's Supper, we are uniting in the presence of the Lord in obedience. The second thing I want us to pull from this latter part of verse 20 is that the Lord promises His presence to His disciples. He doesn't just verbally say it. He promises it. He says, I am with you always. How is Jesus with us always? He, he, he died on the cross he rose again and he ascended to heaven. How is he with us always? He's with us always through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is how he is with us always. When we look at this also, before we really dive into that thought, when, when he says, and lo, I am with you always. Now that was to the disciples as, as individuals and as groups. As those who had placed their faith and followed him, he says, I am with you always. But he also is saying to that group of disciples, I am with you always. And as a church body, we are should be a group of disciples. So he is with us always. He is with us when we go as individuals. He's with us when we go as a team. He's with us when we go as a Sunday school group. He's with us when we go as a church. He's with us Always. And it's not only is that a wonderful, amazing thing. Listen, if you're choosing sin, it's a scary thing. You need to remember he's with us always. If you are truly his, you cannot divorce yourself from him and choose to do something in private or secret. 
There is no secret under God's eyes. All is visible and plain unto him. Lo, I am with you. Behold and remember, I am with you always. It's a wonderful thing when you're living in the will of God. It's a scary thing when you're choosing to live outside of it. I pray that we're, we're not living in the scary part. I pray that we're over here living in the good part. Doing as God called us to do. Living in the will of God. Pursuing Him daily. Taking every opportunity to go. To, to, to make disciples. To, to make it of all the nations. To baptize and to teach as God gives opportunity. And to be able to know that He is with us always. What a reassuring truth to know that the Lord is with us always. When considering the group, we remember what was written in Matthew 18, 20. When we go back and think about that, there's the you as the individual, the you as the group. Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The Lord is here today. If you came with a heart to gather, to worship, with a, with a desire to leave here, to, to leave here on mission, the Lord is here. The presence of the Holy Spirit is here. We got to come prepared for God to do something in our heart and lives. Prepare for Him to do something miraculous and great, such as save somebody, redeem somebody, call somebody out to go on mission somewhere. We need to be expecting Christ to do something because where two or three are gathered in His name, the Holy Spirit is there. He is there with us. In Romans 5, 5, Paul wrote, God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been poured into us when we profess faith in Jesus Christ. All of the Holy Spirit you need is poured into you at that time. Now what hinders the work of the Holy Spirit is our sin. So like I said, His presence is with us. Do we want to be living in, in, in not living in fear and not because we're, because we're following after the will of God? Or do we want to follow after our own will and be worried about, is the Lord going to find me out? Yeah, He already has. Don't worry about it. If He, has, if he will, He already has. He knew you were going to do it. He died for that sin. Matter of fact, which is the wildest thing if you think about that in your mind. But we live pursuing the will of God through holiness. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. None of us are perfect this side of heaven. But we continue to pursue holiness. We continue to pursue holiness and desire that because the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Holy Spirit is, is, teaches us, guides us, counsels us, uh, teaches us all things. It's what the Holy Spirit does. Listen, Garrett Scott Dawson wrote this. The Spirit is the personal presence of Jesus housed in us. By the Spirit, the Father and the Son, excuse me, by the Spirit, the Father and the Son make a home in us. John 14, 23. Christians, not individually and corporately as a church, are a dwelling in which the eternal exchange of love between the triune persons gets lived out. The Holy Spirit in us keeps us joined to Jesus who has taken his resurrection body into heaven. He ever lifts us up to see that our true life is located there in Christ. You know, the, Jesus tried to make the disciples feel that this spirit would do for them permanently 
just what he had done for them temporarily. That's what Jesus was trying to teach them. The Holy Spirit would comfort them, watch over them, teach them, and sanctify them. The Holy Spirit is what's working inside of us to give us the desire to be set apart from this world, to be sanctified. Apart from the inner working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're going to choose our own way all the time. In our own way, maybe one out of ten times, we might choose what God would want us to do. But through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be a whole lot more like nine out of ten times. (laughs) The percentages go greatly higher when we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and not just to the Savior that is Jesus Christ. We've got to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he says that he will walk with us even to the end. Look there at the latter part of that verse. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus' presence walks the disciple to the end. Whenever that end may come, you can be confident if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ that he is going to walk you to the end. Scripture tells us he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He sticks closer than a brother. And I want to tell you that it's very um, reassuring. And it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that I don't, I don't have to worry about that. I know that he's going to be right there with me. When I fail him, when I succeed through him, he is right there with me. When I choose to think the wrong thought, he's right there with me. Saying, come on, Blake. Come on, Blake. You love me more than that. When I choose to think the right thoughts, he's there saying, thank you. Thank you for honoring me. Thank you for holding me where I need to be. Honoring me with your thought life and with your, with your words and with your actions. He will walk that disciple. He will walk the disciple to the end. Some people are very concerned with the end of the age, you know. Matter of fact, this week I went over and um, a previous pastor had preached a series through Revelation. I know a lot of people are really intrigued by the book of Revelation. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'd like to listen to that. Of course, when I got it, I realized there were 78 sermons. Wow. I thought, when do I have time to do that? I'm about to preach to Elijah. I've got a lot to read, you know. But uh, I am, I am uh, going to listen through that and see if the Lord has a leading to me somewhere down the road to possibly teach through Revelation. I promise you I have kept my hands off that book because it is so many people have so many perspectives on that book of the Bible. And the greatest perspective is God's perspective. So you've got to spend a lot of time in prayer and reading and study and research because you don't want to make it say what, what culture may want you to say or your particular church wants, you to, wants it to say. you got to really break that text down as how God wants it to say. 78 sermons is a lot of sermons. So, um, but, but people, a lot of people are concerned about the end of the age. And I know that Christ promises to be with us. So to comfort you in this concern, I want you to hear this, okay? When we are concerned with the words... Hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. That's found in Hebrews 3, 6. Let us be comforted by the words of John 13, 1. He loved them unto the end. When we are concerned about the words, 
And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. That's Hebrews 6.11. Let us be comforted by the words in 1 Corinthians 1.8. Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be comforted by those words that the Lord will sustain us and hold us guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are concerned about the words, the one who conquers and who keeps my words to the end, it's Revelation 2.26, Revelation 2.26. Let us be comforted by the words in Matthew 28.20. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. With confidence and joy, we have confidence and joy because of everlasting love. We have diligence and assurance because of his confirming grace. And we have victory and loyalty because of his abiding presence. When we are concerned about things, let us be comforted with the words of Christ. Let us be comforted with John 13, 1. He loved them unto the end. Let us be comforted with 1 Corinthians 1, 8. Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let us be comforted by those words and something that we've looked at today thoroughly, Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. You know, our discipleship in the risen Jesus continues to be our greatest source of confidence, diligence, and victory. As Matthew demonstrated over and over, the arrival of Jesus began the greatest revolution that history has ever known. The greatest revolution that history has ever known. It begins in the heart where Jesus enters and begins the transformation. But it then extends to every area of our lives so that our physical, emotional, thought, and relational lives are impacted by the power of the kingdom of heaven. And I pray that as we conclude this study, as we conclude this study of the missional disciple and finishing up the gospel of Matthew, our lives have been revolutionized as well. I pray that when we go out, we see life differently because of what the word of God has said to us over the past five weeks. That we will be revolutionized as missional disciples. That we see the mission to go. We see the mission to make disciples. That we see the mission to go to all the nations, beginning at home, our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost. That we see that we are, as disciples, to baptize and to teach. And that we could do all these things because, lo, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father is with us always, even to the end of the age. I pray that today that you can go confidently out into this world as a disciple of Jesus Christ.